You're listening to Strange by Nature, your guide to the strange, weird, unbelievable, and improbable wonders of the natural world. Hello, everyone. Thanks for being here today. I am Kirk Mona, and I am joined today by Rachel Ginza and Victoria Thompson. We are all professional naturalists who together have scoured the world for weird and wonderful wonders just to please your mammalian brain's desire for novelty. Isn't that nice? Let's do this. Welcome back to the show, everyone. So I'm going to just jump right in, Kirk. Okay. Awesome. I've yeah, noticed, let's do it. Oh, excellent. I've noticed recently on the show that we've been talking about spiders pretty frequently, more than oh. we have in the past like i went through so for those of you who don't know we keep a we have to we keep a track of <laughs> all of the topics that we've discussed and i was double there's checking so many. There's, there's so, so many. many i knew we hadn't talked about this one but i was like triple checking and i looked and we've talked about spiders in some way shape or form uh in 11 of our now 100 or at this point at that point 146 episodes we talked about spiders. this is 147 so this is 147 make it 12 uh we're gonna make it 12 today yeah <laughs> awesome and you know maybe it. it's been more on our brain because of the inaccurate spiders that are displayed during spooky season so we covered them a little bit more sure sure it's fair but you know, that's just how it is sometimes. Uh, but today, I'm talking about another spider. <laughs> so just recently, either you or Victoria talked about pirate mm -hmm. spiders. Oh, the pirate spiders. That was yeah, so fun. That was very fun. I, I can't quite remember which one of you talked about this. Do you know? Uh, uh, you know, our brains just sort of meld together at mm -hmm. some point. I, I think it was Victoria. Okay, well, this I'm gonna is give you, her Victoria. credit either way. Shout out to Victoria. <laughs> Thanks, Victoria. Uh, so, pirate spiders, as a refresher, they're spiders that eat other spiders. They're really, they're really cool. If you haven't listened to that episode, you absolutely should. And it's not surprising that there are spiders that eat other spiders. But the group of spiders that I've got today is one of the spiders that eat other spiders. So, Victoria, you inspired okay. this in a tangential way. Thank you. So nice. let's imagine, going back to Victoria's imagery that she had, since we have now established that it was Victoria, from the few episodes ago. You're a spider in Madagascar. Okay? So really nice. Okay. You're hanging out on your carefully created web. It's a new web. You've been working on it. You've been scuttling. It's a new web space for you, too. You've been scuttling up through the leaves in the forest where you have been using your silk to anchor yourself from spot to spot as you moved around. It's getting pretty late at night, though, so you decide that it's time to go to sleep. So you go to a little corner and you rest. But little did you know, an assassin awaits. Dun, dun, dun. Ah! So as you go to rest, another, another spider, the spider I'm talking about today, goes for the kill. They take two specialized elongated pincers called uh, chosils, that. 
chelicerae, which swing away from the body and stab into you. You go to fight back, but you're held away from the attacking spider as they pump venom into you to kill you. I mean, it's not great. Uh, it doesn't no. have quite the, 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 the stealthy showmanship that um, Victoria's pirate spiders had, but... No, not at all. Uh, yikes. Little did you know that this spider waited for hours to get you. Oh, did wild. it? Okay. Yeah, absolutely wild. But did you notice anything weird in that description at all, Kirk? Nothing really jumped out at me as especially strange. Okay. Uh, did you clock that I said that the pincers swung away from the body? To stab well, you know, you? I did, but I just I thought maybe they swung away and then and then came back in. I was like, well, that was a strange turn of phrase that Rachel used, but I was just gonna nah. just let it go right on by, figuring you know, but no, that was, there's something to that, huh? There is. It is a purposeful statement. So interesting. This is a Tell method. Me more. Uh, this is a method of active hunting of 26 okay. different species of spider, which are known oh, as right. assassin spiders, also known as... Wonderful name. Right? They're also known as pelican spiders. Okay, that was uh, not what I was expecting. Good. Why? <laughs> Oh, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll, we'll get into okay, it. Okay, I hope so. So <laughs> these spiders uh, date back 165 million years. Uh, and of those 800, or 165 million years, 18 were just described in 2018. So of those 26, 18 were just described. Oh, okay. Of the 26 Of the 26 species. known species. Gotcha. Yeah, which is gotcha. wild. But Kirk, they look like pelicans in spider form. Okay, hold on. <laughs> look I up a picture, Kirk. A it's photo. on our Instagram. So they're pelican cephalop- spider. Pelican spider. What on <laughs> earth, Rachel? This is the dumbest looking spider. <laughs> Isn't it so is stupid? A... I. I uh... <laughs> I don't even know what to do with this. This looks like a like if a child was to, <laughs> drawing a turkey. There's one that yeah. definitely looks like a turkey, like like a Thanksgiving <laughs> turkey with like the yeah. the round butt and the big tail feathers all splayed uh-huh. out, which are actually its legs, and then like uh-huh. oh my, what I know on earth. <laughs> one of these, uh, one of these looks rather adult. Uh, that's all mm-hmm. I'll say about that. Um, uh-huh. Little NSFW. Wow, this is. It's so dumb looking. It's so, <laughs> these are so. Yeah, I don't want to say, say anything, but this is a really dumb looking spider. <laughs> no, um, it is. I mean, it's 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 awesome, but it's so derpy. It this honestly, is... like they call them pelican spiders. A cartoon they chicken. They truly like, I don't... look like. If you took not, a pelican cartoon turkey, cartoon and, turkey, yeah. or cartoon turkey and you turned that shape into a spider. Into a spider. So. Oh, my. You, you know, I encourage listeners to check out our Instagram, but. Oh, yeah. This one. Uh, 
wow <laughs> this, is <Yeah. laughs> so, this is so bizarre oh my gosh oh, I, can't man. Get, I can't get over this it's great so to describe to everybody what is going on here they have like every other spider they have an abdomen and they have a cephalothorax so a cephalothorax right. is a thorax and head smushed together because spiders only have yep. two main body parts like that two body parts yeah this one is the cephalothorax thorax is elongated vertically so up so rather than yeah. just being smooshed like a and long small, neck almost it's a long neck very which is a very similar shape to that of like a pelican or a turkey uh yep. with long pincers which go from the top of that cephalothorax down towards right. the base which allow past, them past the past, past the bottom of their body exactly past the bottom Enormous. of their body and the bottom of those pincers are um specialized fangs which uh are what are injecting the venom so what they truly do is Man. those elongated uh pincers they go out yeah. 90 degrees with really really striking accuracy okay to and the, stab to, to, in to the side no forward Oh, forward. Okay. So they don't go off saying, to the side. When I was when saying, saying spread, they swing, I was picturing out to the side, and I'm like, how does that work? So they're like, no, they oh, swing they go up and then forward, kind of striking down. Kind of like to help picture this, it's kind of like a trash can lid. Like it goes from flat to out. It's that ninety degree yeah. turn. Yeah. Like a trap door is kind of springing open. Exactly. And they seem to be de decurved back toward the body, so they must be springing them up and then whacking down on things. Yes, but also Jeez. they are Terrifying. curved in at the bottom because the mouth is at the bottom of the cephalothorax. Yeah, they're pulling it. They're pulling. They're it in pulling the it in towards the mouth. Oh, this is nightmare fuel. Um, yeah, <laughs> if this which was, it allows them the to strike like a at a distance and keeps them pony safe or something. God. Oh, absolutely. Because like they're able to strike at a distance their prey and then keep it away from them so it can't hurt them or come like fight back. Yeah. And then once it's oh. dead, can bring it in for a nice little snack. Snacky snack, yeah. Jeez. This is uh these are both goofy and terrifying at the same time. Absolutely. Now now that you've said that, Kirk, uh do you think we should be worried about these uh, assassin spiders? I'm going to guess that they are like a millimeter tall or something like just absolutely tiny. Oh, they're right? teeny tiny. They're so small. <laughs> uh, generally speaking, the largest one out there is a centimeter yeah. in body length and a centimeter okay. tall. <laughs> okay. That's the largest one out there. Uh, most of them are even smaller than that. So we don't really have to worry about them or anything. No, but I think we're safe. They're well, still I will say though, the wild. size of the spider, the size of the spider is not necessarily have anything to do with how potent um, its venom would be. Oh, absolutely. If it were to envenomate a human, uh, there, you know, a, a, a black widow hmm. is quite small. That's and true. And you really don't want to be bitten by one. So, I don't live in Madagascar though, so I'm feeling pretty, right, pretty solid on this one. And I'm not. I didn't see anything about them being harmful to humans or anything, but I didn't look too much Probably into not that their main fact. prey, right? No. Uh, but 
they're not just in Madagascar. They since they date back so far, uh, sixty-five million uh -oh. years. They're not in Ma just in Madagascar. They're mostly in Madagascar. Where are they? Australia and South Africa as well. Shout out we to Australia. Once Australia again. has to have the weirdest creatures. Of course, out there. there's pelican spiders in Australia. Of course, I mean, there on. is. Why not? So they would protest if they didn't have them. I think. <laughs> so anyway, my sources this week. Uh, we're an article in the Smithsonian by Jennifer Michalowski and a live science article by Brandon Spector. And also, just because it's awesome, we love women scientists. The person who was discovering uh, and categorizing the 26 species and discovered the 18 new species was Professor yeah. Hannah Wood of the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History. So she was going through different spider, like, not live spiders. She was going through all of the ones that had already been collected, which is gotcha. amazing and tedious. Go, go Hannah. Oh, yeah. Especially <laughs> when they're tiny. Yeah. Good oh, job. Yeah. So that's what I have for you this week. Pelican spiders. That is. Wow. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, Kirk, you got to have something cool today this week. I think I do. Awesome. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, as many of our listeners know, we are not just podcasters. We are also professional naturalists. We teach about nature every day for our jobs. And one of the things that I've sort of become, I guess, somewhat known for in the field at this point is story camps that yeah. I do with a friend. Yeah, that I do with friend of the show and a host of our anniversary quiz shows, Mr. Brett Sieberer. Uh He's listening right I'm now. I'm so sure. Hey, intrigued. Brett. Hey, Brett. So yeah, where is this going? Right. Well, we presented. I, I want to know. <laughs> uh, the two of us have actually presented nationally about mm -hmm. our concept, and actually just did a, a local presentation a few weeks back to other naturalists at our local statewide conference. Rachel, yeah. you were there at our presentation. You I even was. helped make some of the magic occur, which was much appreciated since we're Anytime. at your home site. Uh, the core of what we were presenting was this idea of how stories unfold and how to have kids become part of a story and get caught up in it. And uh, when Brett started these camps, he was doing it all just by instinct, having consumed lots of media over the course of his life. Uh, but we found that some camps we were doing, the story elements worked better than others. And mm -hmm. I wanted to really know why. So when I stepped back and kind of looked at it, I realized that what we were often doing was having kids reenact part of Joseph Campbell's hero journey. Right. Right. Now, some people be like, oh, I know what that is. And some of you were like, well, I You've already lost me. What are you talking about? Well, I mean, um, so, Kirk, I know because you, you told me a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> right. but before you mentioned uh, people, it, I didn't know either. People who are like really into like literature and like, you know, uh, studying story structure definitely heard of this before. Um, even if you've never heard of the hero's journey, which is sort of this framework for stories, you have certainly experienced it. So Harry Potter, The Matrix, The Lion King, Star Wars, Iron Man, Lord of the Rings, these movies and more, and also, you know, those are movies, but also books, they all follow the same sort of hero's journey template that makes the stories work. So many authors use it because as a narrative device, it simply works. Well, we, we watch movies at our house every Friday night, and uh, we chose v, v for Vendetta this week. Oh, that's like a great one. I, 
yeah, I found myself going, oh, of course, this is this is the hero's journey. It actually follows the exact same template as all the <laughs> other stories. Um, so this, all of this is a way of saying that the hero's journey has been on my mind a lot as of yeah. late. And my pattern-seeking mammalian brain has been on the lookout for elements of the journey, such as the call to adventure or the refusal where the hero's like, oh, no, I, I, I can't. I can't possibly do that. And right. then the ordeal that they go through. And these things are everywhere in movies and books because they resonate with us because they occur in real life as well. Mm -hmm. And I was reading the news this week and there it was something pulled right out of the hero's journey. And rightly so. Our heroes this week are biologists. Oh, well, Yay. of course. Biologists, I love right? that. Go biologists. Now, the setting, the setting, Rachel, is both dramatic and amazing. We are headed to the fantastic Galapagos Islands, oh. the very place where Darwin mused over finch beak variation and came up with the theory of evolution. Beautiful. Instead of island hopping, though, uh, these biologists had heeded the call to adventure and crossed the threshold into the dark depths of the ocean, seeking unknown riches. Ooh. Now, they had a clue that something was waiting for them in the salty deep. You see, they were exploring an area called the Galapagos Spreading Center. And this is an area of the seabed where two tectonic plates are spreading apart. Uh, it's okay. about 250 miles north of the islands, actually. I will say the Galapagos Islands, uh, by the way, are formed because of a hotspot of island-creating magma. And that hotspot is the result of this spreading zone. So this is all, this whole area is all tied together. Okay. And... Scientists had previously detected hydrothermal vents in the eastern portion of the spreading zone back in 1977. In fact, these were the first hydrothermal vents that were ever discovered in the ocean. That's so cool. Now, we've covered hydrothermal vents on the show before a few times uh, because they're just such absolutely strange mm -hmm. and bizarre places. And Never know what you're going to find. Yeah, biologists can't get enough. They're like, more, more. There's absolutely, I picture like Kylo Ren, uh, you know, more. <laughs> that's, that's, that's marine biologists when it comes to, you know, these hydrothermal uh, vents. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, they want to find more of them because every time we do, we discover something new. Um, and just like the Galapagos Islands themselves were critical to understanding evolution, so too do these vents help us understand evolution and biology as they're essentially like islands of life deep in the ocean. A lot of the ocean's not like all that hospitable. The yeah. water all the way down at the bottom of the ocean is about two degrees centigrade. So <laughs> almost oh! frozen. It's not, it's not, you know, the greatest place. Sounds um, like my hometown. And yeah, the heat and nutrients of the vents, uh, they attract and support like an amazing variety of life just by the nature of them being there. And they create these mm -hmm. little islands of life. So the ocean is vast. It's super vast. And how do you find a new vent field? There's probably lots we don't know about, right? Oh, absolutely. In the entire ocean, we think we know of about 550 sites with vents. Uh, but half of them are actually inferred locations where we're like oh, wow. pretty sure there's probably vents there, but we've never actually looked or been able to visually confirm that they're mm -hmm. actually there. So our hero biologists uh, were investigating the western half of the Galapagos Spreading Center because data suggested there should be a hydrothermal vent there. 
-hmm. and readings of low oxygen levels in the water suggested one was probably present, but they wanted to find the actual location. Absolutely. What caught my attention in terms of like the hero's journey is that in many versions, once the hero has crossed the threshold and heeded the call to adventure, they're helped along the way by some sort of supernatural aid that appears from the darkness and Mm -hmm. lights the way. And this aid is usually the personification of destiny. And it turns out that's exactly what happened to these. What? So they were exploring the depths of the area with a submersible. Because uh-huh. it's, it's not, you know, we can't real, go down there now. Humans, right? Uh, and so they're kind of watching this deserted bottom of a seafloor on a television, <laughs> like mm-hmm. a live feed coming up from where the submersible is. And it was get, they kind of figured they were in the right area based on like the readings they were getting. But it was getting late at night. They hadn't found anything, and they were just about ready to, you know, give up for the night and pack it mm-hmm. in and, and go to bed when a ghostly white image appeared on the screen. What? As you can imagine. It's dark down there. White is not the most common color on the seafloor. I mean, it's you know probably grays and, and muted rock yeah. colors, right? Um, but here's something white, and it just stood out. There it was, plain as day. First there was one, then a second, followed by more and more and more. What, what they were seeing was unmistakably crabs. Specifically, uh, the woman who was looking at the screen right away identified them as and apologies here on this stupid common name, but they're called squat lobsters. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, squat lobsters. <sighs> such a stupid name. We have such stupid animals this week. It, it's I, it really is. Now, these, and here's why part of why it's stupid. Not just because if, if, if they even if they were lobsters, <laughs> they're stupid crabs. Name, but they aren't lobsters. They're crabs. <laughs> So just add this to one of the ever-growing list of animals we have with terrible <laughs> and confusing common names. Don't oh, put the great. word lobster in the name if it's not a lobster. I mean, I guess like if you're calling it like a pelican spider, it's pretty clear that it's a yeah. spider. Right. But a squat lobster, you assume it's a lobster. It's not. All right. Right. Um, now, what if they hadn't discovered lobsters, crabs yet? Uh, it... I don't know where it came from, Rachel. I just know I don't like it. <laughs> so squat lobsters, I guess, are known to gather around these vents for warmth Ooh. and for food. And so seeing increasing and increasing numbers of them was very exciting. Like, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, we're getting close. We just got to follow the, the, I almost said lobsters, the crabs. <laughs> um, the researchers said they literally followed the crabs like Hansel and Gretel following breadcrumbs to find the vent. And I, I laughed that. when the researcher... Uh, mentioned Hansel and Gretel since as you might have guessed it Hansel and Gretel's story is indeed a story that follows the hero's hero's journey journey. framework (laughs) so it seems even the biologists in the heat of the moment realized they were part of this epic journey right and they found the hidden treasure they were looking for and returned home forever changed by the experience Uh, that's so sick (laughs) they identified where this was but like that's that's kind of the end of the story for, mm-hmm. for, for this chapter because it's like they haven't fully now done all the research of everything that can be learned there it's just like mm-hmm. hey we found it and that's how far we got so i think like we're gonna have to wait for the sequel to learn about everything cool that's there <laughs> Fun. maybe hopefully it'll be as epic of a uh, a hero's journey uh in the meantime i just want to remind i guess all of our listeners that life's a journey and life's an adventure mm-hmm. um and you have to heed the call 
for the adventure to begin, though. So get out there and heed the call to adventure and see what sort of amazing discoveries you can make out there in the natural world. And maybe if they're strange, we'll talk about them here on the show. Ooh, absolutely. Uh, I do say my sources for this week uh, was one was a great article on live science by Richard uh, Pilardi. Um, also data from NOAA and the USGS. Um, I didn't say any of the names of these uh, researchers because none of the materials I looked at said their names, um, except that it was like a large team of people. There was a big team of people who were working on okay. this. Um, and I know there's a lot of women involved. You mentioned like women scientists. There was definitely Sick. a lot of uh, women involved in the crew, like because I mentioned that, but I don't have like a, a a list of names for you, and they probably would be a long list because sounds like a lot of people from a lot of places are working on this. It wasn't like one little crew out in a little dinghy. There was, it was mm-hmm. a big ship and stuff they were looking for. So lots of That's cool folks awesome. involved in this adventure and uh, just mapping out more of our world and and telling us about it, which I love. Oh, that is so cool. I love that we're and finding we... weird stuff. So oh, absolutely. Well, like. I love that we're still finding new things. Like, I I, I mean, like we think, I I don't know. I always get the impression from, especially members of the public. uh, When I talk to them that we must know all the critters and animals and we all know, we know everything now. And we don't, we're still finding things. The ocean, there's still like, plants and things that we're finding out. I just oh, yeah. learned that we've we've barely scratched the surface on how many beetles there are in the world. <laughs> Insects. You, how, how many oh. times a day do you think about beetles, Rachel? Because I was thinking about beetles just today, actually. Oh my God. Like, the, I the number think of beetles, beetles breaks my brain. Uh, right? I was actually I trying to work out in my me. head how many beetles, because this may come up in a future topic, How many? Mm-hmm. if we did a show just about beetles, how many episodes would the three of us have to do before we ran out of Beatles to talk about? And I couldn't the do the end of time, brain, but Kirk. It's, 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 it's longer than I'm going to be alive. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, long time. There are more beetle species in the world than there are species of anything else on the planet. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. It's a beetle planet. Yep. We, we think it's the time of humans. No, it's the time of beetles. <laughs> And it has been for a long time. <laughs> yep. We're just living here. It's their planet. We're just uh, renting Ugh. space. I right, we'll talk about beetles more it. another time. Absolutely. Uh, but, I was uh, just the the sense of discovery and adventure yeah, and the fact that you can still find things. I love it. Go biologist. I love this for them. I can't wait to find out and learn more. Keep on learning. That's what it's all about. And hopefully you've all learned something this week. Pretty quick show, but we have some fun stuff to share. And we'll be back next week with, uh, with more misadventures and uh, weird, weird science. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, yeah. everyone. See you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's show. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop every Wednesday, and we love sharing this strange world with all of our listeners. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, that would be great. It lets other lovers of The Strange discover the show. You can reach out to us on social media by searching for Strange by Nature Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can send us an email as well. Our address is contact at strangebynaturepodcast.com. If you want more information about the show, you can also check out our website, which is strangebynaturepodcast.com. Until next week, get outside, stay curious, and embrace the strange.